0: This is the Antichrist Empire Deconstruction Podcast with the Lady Victory. I'm going to give you a quick background of my qualifications. Personally, I am a born-again believer who was born again in a face-to-face salvation in which I was taken to heaven to see the Lord as a very small child. And I saw the Lord face-to-face in full revelatory power, full immersive glory, and full manifest power. So I was 100% fully in the spirit, in full power. And so that is the most powerful apostolic born-again experience that a believer can have. Additionally, because I was called to minister the full stature move and set an office for that purpose, and given that level born-again experience for that endowment of power i was called to systematic theology to learn directly at the feet of the lord reading the bible for myself as a primary preparation calling so i have read the bible literally thousands of times cover to cover since youth i've recently read that the vast majority of christians have never read the Bible one time, cover to cover. So they're getting all of their information about what is the truth from tradition, culture, and institution. I doubt that even these institutional church leaders have done great deep dives personally into the Bible themselves from a big picture view. Now, I am an INTP personality. That personality, just to give you some understanding of me, is the logician personality. It's the most logically based personality there is. An INTP personality, we have a great focus on logic and we detect discrepancies. We can catch lies. We can catch inconsistencies and we also build frameworks and our experts, you know, just as the personality type, and you can look that up and and check that out for yourself, Briggs Meyer personality types. But we look to see the big picture. <clears throat> so I have built the schematic of the big picture view, The what I'm bringing to the church at this time through my podcast is understanding about the big picture view of systematic theology that shows that the Bible is corrupt. There are multitudes of books in the Bible that are not the born-again Christian faith. They instead are the Babylonian ancient Roman religion correlated to Constantine. So that religion does not worship the same Lord. It does not worship the same God and creator. And you're seeing on your screen how I've split things up. The most primary things are the creation account. What I'm going to be showing, and I'm just giving you the big picture right now, is that Genesis 1 was written by a completely different different author than Genesis 2 and 3. One author wrote Genesis 1, a second author wrote Genesis 2 and 3 together as one story. These two different authors wrote completely different accounts of creation. I'll give you a quick for example. In Genesis 1, male and female are created at the same time, from the same ground, from one word spoken by the true God, the creator. And they were brought forth instantaneously at the same time. So they had a fully equal creation created from the earth by the word spoken in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So that is a fully egalitarian account. Male and female were created fully equally, given the same dominion. They were created equally as equal children of God and each owned their own body. That's a very primary in understanding who we are today. But when we go to Genesis 2, it's a completely different creation account. The the entire creation account takes place in one day. It is not a six-day creation. It's a separate account. It does not give details of the Genesis 1 account. It's a fully contradictory second creation account. It is Gnostic. It is Babylonian. It is not God the creator. It is not the God and king of Israel in Genesis 2 and 3. I have two books that are written on that subject so far. And my books are available at Barnes and Nobles. And I'll be putting links to where you can buy those books. Because I'm showing very clearly that Genesis 2 and 3 are a literal Pandora account of the ancient civilizations that worship Lucifer. So the God and creator in Genesis 2 and 3 is not the God and King of Israel, but it is Lucifer. That is a Pandora account. And that account, typical with all ancient civilizations, they all kind of tell the same story. Man is created first, woman is created after man, and woman is the cause of all trouble. So instead of the two being created at the same time by the word spoken in Genesis 1, corresponding with John 1, in which all things were made by the word, and without him was not anything made, and we have a completely different creation story that is just nothing more than ancient civilization Pandora accounts. So they were not created by the word spoken from the ground at the same time, But rather, these two were created at different times. The man was created first, and the woman was created from man's rib. And this account is fully patriarchal and misogynist, as all Pandora accounts are. So it's a completely different spirit. It's a completely different account. And it is not the God and King of Israel. And most believers don't know that, but most believers haven't even read the Bible. And as far as trusting these institutional church leaders, who knows how many of them are truly born again. Of those who are born again, they are operating on the basis of tradition also. I doubt that they have done great deep dives, reading the Bible thousands of times, cover to cover, as I have, to determine what is true and what is false. Because the issue is that Constantine in 325 AD established the ancient Roman state version of Christianity. It is a Roman replacement religion and is not authentic Hebrew, true Hebrew Bible Christianity. It's an entirely different Christianity that was made in conjunction with the existing ancient Roman state religion. And all of the story was changed so that it corresponded to the worship of the Roman gods. And their Christ that they come up with is an Apollo um, figure who who extols Caesar as the king of the world and declares that all men are God. And so that is the religion that Constantine came out with. And to understand that, point four sixty of the Roman Catholic Church states that their Christ came to make men God with a capital G, and to make men gods with a little g. So the ancient Roman religion is a religion about making men God and Roman gods. So it's a com- completely different religion than the Hebrew faith in the Hebrew Messiah. In the Hebrew religion of Genesis 1, in the true Gospel of John, of course, born-again Christianity is monotheistic. We do not believe that the Lord came to make men God. That's a completely foreign religion. And the religion of male deification is called sometimes theosis. So what I'm going to show you is that this theosis religion of ancient Rome and Babylon of the deification of men has been placed in the Bible. Constantine established this ancient Roman religion as an approved, quote-unquote, Christianity. But it's a false Christianity in which Apollo is their Christ, Lucifer um, is their Christ, and he has come to make men God. So that is not what a born-again Christian believes. It's, it's a fully opposite foreign religion of Babylon in ancient Rome and this polytheistic religion of male deification that just becomes a Christ consciousness religion. It, it very much correlates to New Age. And these are the things we're going to be doing deep dives on. So the, the Bible was created for ancient Rome. Um, ancient Rome added their own books. The Bible was canonized, the Bible that we have right now was canonized in 382 AD under a different Caesar, um, you know, nearly 60 years later, and the Pope was called Pope Damascus. So that is where the Bible came from. We originally, in the authorized King James Version, had 15 additional books in there called the Apocrypha. Those were removed eventually, Um, but it took 274 years for those books to be removed. So now we have the remaining books that are in the modern Bible that the Protestant church accepts as scripture, and these 15 books of the Apocrypha are not the only Gnostic books that were placed by Rome into the modern Bible when Rome canonized, ancient Rome under the Caesars, canonized their Bible in 382 AD. They added a myriad of their own books that set forth this religion of the ancient Roman Empire, Roman Laws, Roman philosophy, Roman religion. And this religion is a religion of male deification. This is where male headship comes from. The foundation of this male deification religion is in the Pandora Luciferian parabolic fable of Genesis 2 and 3. So ancient Rome built books of their own quote-unquote New Testament and their foundation was a creation account in Genesis 2 and 3 that is a Gnostic Luciferian forgery. It is going to take study to see that, but I'm giving you the big picture right now and I'm showing you that there are only three legitimate letters from the early church, from the true born-again early church. And that those books are the Gospel of John, Second John, and the Book of Revelation. Every single other book in the modern Bible has been delivered by Constantine, And the Christ that is presented by these books that came from Constantine, and we're just going to identify Constantine in 325 A.D., and that identification extends to Pope Damascus in 382 A.D., what he produced, because we're basically seeing the Bible that was produced for ancient Roman state religion. Every single one of these books was forged to generate a false ancient Roman religion and a made-up history. I have one book that is completed, and it's the first one in my book series. The name of my book series is Yeshua I Know, Paul I Don't Know. The first book In the series is Big Bad Wolves Hiding Under Bible Covers. And I show in that book that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all false gospels. These were written by Greco-Roman philosophers for Constantine and the Caesars to generate ancient Roman state religion. As a couple of notes, um, and, you know, getting the book is going to be more helpful, and I will cover other aspects in this podcast. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are called the Synoptic Gospels. They are all grouped together, and the Gospel of John is held distinct from them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels, Because they are all told from the same view, um, from the same vision. That's what synoptic means. The optic, the vision, the S-Y-N, sin, same. So same vision, same optics, same view. The synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels have a forgery problem that Bible scholars will show you, and I do show you in my book, a quick overview of it, that they have literally plagiarized one another. They are copies of each other. Not one of them is a distinct original work separate from the other. They are a baseline of copied false doctrine, and the language in many verses is the same. And it's it's readily shown that they were copied one from another and they're basic forgeries of each other. One was an original and two were copied from that. In these synoptic gospels, all three of these promote Caesar. So you can see that they are written for ancient Rome on that level, um, In the Gospel of John, which is the only authentic true gospel of the true early church, John the Beloved never extols Caesar, never gives room for Caesar to be worshipped as God. But in the Synoptic Gospels, everyone is probably familiar with that saying, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render unto God that which is God's. And people interpret that their own way. However, the statement that is made is legitimating paying tribute to Caesar. And in ancient Rome, when you paid tribute to Caesar, it was a quote-unquote God tax. The coin showed and stated that Caesar is God. And by paying the tribute tax with the tribute coin, it was a way to declare and worship Caesar as God. So the false Christ in Matthew, Mark, and Luke falsely legitimates paying tribute to Caesar. And so that teaching is a real blatant teaching showing the Romanism of the ancient Roman state religion. You're basically reading propaganda that was written by Greco-Roman philosophers to generate a false Christ who would legitimate Caesar. Caesar was worshipped as God by Roman citizens. Rome was a theocratic nation that worshiped the Roman gods, and Julius Caesar was the revival of a man claiming to be a Roman god in the flesh. So Caesar claimed to be God, a Roman god, and God the Son. He claimed to be Christ, and Caesar was the first one... Who started making these claims? And eventually, after his death, the Roman Senate passed a law that declared a proclamation that declared Julius Caesar posthumously after his death to be a Roman god. So in Rome, a temple was established for the worship of Julius Caesar. Like, for example, in their worship of Diana and all of these other Roman gods, they added Julius Caesar as a demigod, as a Roman god in the flesh, a son of the gods, as a Roman god to be worshiped. Subsequent Caesars then also took upon themselves these titles that they were God, a Roman God, and a God the Son in the flesh. They were a Christ, and they called themselves the Savior of the world. They basically had all of the titles um, attributed to them through worship of the Roman gods, that born-again Christianity um, and worship of the Hebrew Messiah Yeshua attributes to the Lord. So basically you have a competing messianic line of the Caesars competing with the Lord. But the Roman Caesars claim to be messianic through the worship of the Roman gods. And in the worship of the Roman gods, as we see, the Roman religion believed that men were God and were made God and became God and Roman gods. That is why point four sixty of the Roman Catholic Catechism, the Vatican Catechism, states that their Christ came to make men God, with a capital G, and gods. They have a Roman Christ. They do not have the Hebrew Messiah Yeshua of the Gospel of John as their Christ. They have the Roman Christ that they made up as a parallel ancient Roman replacement religion. It's kind of like that statement, if you can't beat them, join them. Sometimes what religions will do is if they cannot overthrow the Lord and his gospel in the gospel of John, they will make up their own false gospels. And in their false gospels, They will bring in a false Christ who makes men God and gods. And there are many false Christs. There are many false religions out there. And many men have arisen stating a parallel false gospel. But the gospel of John is the only authentic true gospel that truly features the Hebrew Messiah, Yeshua. And another thing about these three false synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that they never state the true gospel of the born-again church. That false Christ never says, ye must be born again, you must be born again. He never tells anyone that the path to religious Um, doctrine of eternal life is to be born again that born again gospel is distinct in the gospel of john and when this false christ of matthew mark and luke states that there is another way a different way to eternal life that is a false gospel The false Christ in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, never tells anyone, you must be born again. Instead, he states that people have to keep the law and that they have to give up everything they own. And they have to bring the money and lay it at the feet of the Antichrist figure. Well, that's very much a parallel of paying the God tax, paying tribute to Caesar. It's an economic salvation, and Roman citizens were required to pay this God tax, and occupied territories were required to pay this God tax. Because if people did not worship Julius Caesar's successors, the new Caesars that came into the position of Caesar worship that was established by Julius Caesar, then the Romans considered them in rebellion against Rome. And I will review briefly some Roman religious history, just snippets. Even the most basic understanding of basic truth really helps to see the big picture. The Romans believed that the world needed to worship the Roman gods. They were a theocratic nation uh, and their gods were the Roman gods. So, when Rome went out to conquer, Rome was seeking to establish one world religion, one world politics, one world economic system, with their Caesar, with the Roman gods being the rulers. So, it was a literal religious crusade and religious war to establish one world religion under Roman rule. And their goal was that then the Roman gods would be worshipped and the and then their quote unquote kingdom would come. So they were a military conquest of forced joining the Roman religion. So they had they had a forced conversion through military conquest and so it was that kind of a violent empire that kind of a violent nation that had a religious war to gain world domination so that the Roman gods would be worshipped so their full theocracy in the ancient Roman Empire. There was no separation of church and state. There was no freedom of religion. The Roman gods were the identity of the Roman nation. So just like Israel worshipped the God and king of Israel, God the creator, the Romans worshipped the Roman gods. Just like Israel was a theocracy where their entire nation was founded by the God and King of Israel, the Romans believed that their nation was founded by the Roman gods. And this is the history of the Roman founding of their nation, Um, Romulus and Remus were twin brothers who originally founded Rome. And I won't go into the story in great detail. I'm just doing an overview to give you a big picture view of what is happening with our modern Bible. But they stated that their father was the Roman god Mars, the Roman god of war. So even in the inception of Rome, that became the Roman Empire of Julius Caesar and beyond. At the inception, the male founders of Rome claimed to be Roman gods. And they began their nation with this conquest of war to establish the rule of the Roman gods worldwide. So religious world domination, religious One world religion, one world politics, one world economy, everything that we think of when we think of this 666 beast state, this end-time communist theocratic empire, that was the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire is not the only empire in world history uh, that had that kind of a view. Any nation that sought world domination in the ancient days had their own gods, and so all of them had a sense of religious justification in seeking world domination by war if they could get that powerful. Now, Israel did not. Israel was given the promised land, um, so they did not have a vision of world domination through war. They just had a vision of their own land. But other nations in world history have had a vision of world domination. And the Roman Empire was one such nation. And it is significant because this is the One World Empire religion that was seeking world domination that occupied Israel at the time of the Lord's birth. And so... The Roman Empire is the empire which also crucified the Lord. So it is it is the established antichrist empire. So the Roman Empire is a model of the larger antichrist empire that existed in Babylon and in times prior to Rome's inception, but when Rome came to be, Rome became The Antichrist Empire because it occupied Israel at the time of the Lord's birth and is the Antichrist Empire responsible for the crucifixion of our Lord. So the ancient Roman Empire is quote unquote the Antichrist Empire and all of its facets represent what we see in Revelation 13. So, it is just the nature of the worship of these foreign gods that produces the Antichrist Empire dynamic. And so, we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke as three false gospels. Christians are brainwashed into believing that the Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God, and they placed their faith in this book, but it's similar to trusting public education, because public education has its own agenda in state propaganda, where the state always wants to raise and train the youth to be the citizens conformed to the will of the state. So the Bible was produced by the ancient Roman empire to become the new state religion of Rome. And it did become the official religion of Rome when the Bible was canonized in 382 AD. So when the Bible was canonized in ancient Rome, it became the official state religion of ancient Rome and ancient Rome maintained its Caesars. So ancient Rome did not change one bit. Um, it's like the, the, the sign on the door might have changed, but what was in the house did not change at all. So what I'm saying is a new veneer of a new religion with different words and, and different facets came into being, but the worship of the Roman gods, the worship of Caesar as God, and the worship of men as God did not change. So you basically have a cultural appropriation of the story of the Messiah altered and changed to conform to existing ancient Roman religion. It is literal Roman replacement religion. So it came along through like a like a roman trojan horse in the roman in the roman caesar employing greco-roman philosophers to write up a new gospel a new christ who was consistent with the roman empire and the worship of caesar and roman law roman philosophy all of these things and and What Caesar's plan was, it's obvious from reviewing the history, is to then replace authentic Christianity by overwriting it with this false ancient Roman brand of Christianity that would then claim to be authentic. So that this Roman Christ, who is the person of Apollo or Lucifer, who comes to make men God, would be... Uh, in a parallel or in a saying, the only man left standing. That was the way for them to eliminate the true gospel by replacing it with a false gospel and then bringing this false gospel into world rule. And that was going to be their new method of destroying Christianity that could threaten the stability of their Roman Empire. Because obviously, in the Roman Empire... It was a theocracy, and if people left religious faith in the Roman gods, and they left religious faith about Caesar being this special Roman god and this special ruler given to the Roman people by the Roman gods to bring their Roman religion worldwide, if that faith broke, if it was overpowered, then the Roman Empire would cease to exist. It was founded upon faith in the Roman gods, so the Caesar saw that they they couldn't really stomp out Christianity, and Gnosticism had risen, particularly in the second century. So Gnosticism had risen, and there was organized infiltration and organization of the Roman Empire, in producing an organized Gnostic false Christian religion with a false Gnostic Christ. So it had, it had really begun growing in the second century so that by the time of 325 AD, Rome was ready to move forward in recognizing this Gnostic Roman religion with this Gnostic false Christ that corresponded to the Roman Empire religion. So, in history, there was the rise of this Gnostic religion that crested in 325 AD to become an approved ancient Roman religion. And, of course, they needed to create and generate their own Bible. They had to codify their own false gospel their own false apostolic teaching, and that way they could produce their religious common core education. So what I'm saying to you is that most of the New Testament was written for ancient Rome, which is obvious because ancient Rome is the one who canonized it. Ancient Rome was not going to canonize authentic Christian faith. They were not going to authenticate the true gospel. They were going to generate their own false gospel, their own false Christ, their own false religion that was an ancient Roman replacement religion. So of course, they had to have their own story and they made up their own story. They made it up as they went along. So, you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke written by Greco Roman philosophers produced to present a false Roman Christ whose message was, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. <laughs> so, you know, that is not the kingdom of God. In the Gospel of John, of course, the Lord came preaching, You must be born again. And he preached the kingdom that is truly from heaven. So, but a false Christ came saying, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's preaching the Roman Empire, preaching the kingdom of Rome. And there is no doctrine from heaven that authenticates or affirms Caesar in his office. Caesar, again, crucified the Lord and held all of these parallel titles of the Roman gods from a false religion. Anyone who really understands the first commandment knows that the God of Israel tells you not to even take up the name of a foreign god in your mouth. You are not to worship foreign gods. And so the God of Israel is not going to give any license to pay tribute to Caesar. So that's very much a clear tell that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are false gospels. And I give many other proofs in my book. And it's a short book. It's easy to read. um, Big Bad Wolves Hiding Under Bible Covers as I'm exposing these forgeries um, in the modern Bible that was delivered to us by the Roman Empire. Now Luke, who has written a false gospel, which is one of the synoptic gospels, is also the author of Acts. So it becomes increasingly easy to see. The more that we see, the more we can see. Um, Acts is a false historiography of the early church. It is simply a pack of made-up stories and it introduces us to the foundational false apostle of Rome, Saul Paul, who was born, he says, a Roman citizen. And Roman citizen, Rome, again, was a theocracy. If you were a Roman citizen, you were required to worship the Roman gods as, as your citizenship. It was a theocracy. Just like if you were a true Israelite, In the days, um, you were required to worship the God and King of Israel. Israel is a theocracy. Rome was a theocracy. Um, There's a contradiction and a conflict in Saul Paul stating that he was born a Roman and is a Roman in good standing in the book of Acts. That automatically required him to worship the Roman gods, and Caesar as God, which is a full contradiction to worshiping the God and King of Israel. Rome would allow people to worship their foreign gods. Um, So if Rome conquered Egypt, Rome would say, You can worship the Egyptian gods, but you must also, in addition to worshiping the Egyptian gods, worship the Roman gods too. So because Rome was a polytheistic religion and worshiped many gods, they were not a a religion that would object to people worshiping other gods. As long as people agreed to also worship the Roman gods, Rome would accept them. Rome had no conflict with allowing people in lands that they conquered to continue to worship their national and territorial foreign gods. All Rome required was that you additionally worship their gods. And then they would say, okay, well, then you're brought into Rome because you're worshiping the Roman gods. So the Roman position on the worship of the Roman gods was very much different than monotheism in Israel. Of course, the God of Israel, you're talking monotheism, where the God and King of Israel says, you cannot worship any other gods. You must worship me alone. We have the first commandment from the God and King of Israel. This is monotheism. So ancient Rome could not find any inroad into Israel because Israel worshiping the God and King of Israel in monotheism refused to worship the Roman gods. So other nations that worshiped foreign gods, could worship the gods of Rome in addition to their national gods. They didn't have a conflict with that. They were like, okay, well, sure, we can we can worship the Roman gods too. We, we, as long as we can worship our gods, we'll worship the Roman gods. So we'll worship all these gods together, and then we'll have peace with Rome. And we'll become, you know, we, we, we can get along with Rome because we'll worship their gods too. Well, Israel could not get along with Rome. Israel could not get along with Rome because Israel worships the God of Israel who gave us the first commandment. This is a monotheistic religion and we do not worship foreign gods. So when you listen to Saul, Paul, he's spinning the fable. The author of Acts and the author of Saul, Paul's false epistles is spinning the fable that it was acceptable for Saul, Paul, to have Roman citizenship and to be an Israelite worshiper of the God and King of Israel. That's patently false. It's a lie and it's a deception. Rome was a theocracy. You did not have freedom of religion as a Roman citizen. You could not say to Caesar and the Roman authorities, well, I want to be a Roman citizen, I just don't want to worship the Roman gods. That was not allowed, because it's a theocracy. Being a citizen of Rome means that you worship the Roman gods. That's what it means. The church and state were combined as one, as a theocracy. So there's an inherent contradiction in Saul Paul stating, that. Oh, sure, I'm a monotheistic worshiper of the God and King of Israel. I worship... You know, the Christian God. I worship the Hebrew Messiah Yeshua, who is the God and King of Israel. But I also am a Roman citizen. So, of course, I'm required to worship the Roman gods. Saul Paul flipped all truth upside down, pretending that this was normal, customary, and acceptable behavior. It was not. The God and King of Israel does not allow dual citizenship. Because the citizenship in Israel means that you are a worshiper of the God and King of Israel alone, so you could not become a citizen. You can have joint citizenship in another nation that worship foreign gods. It's an inherent contradiction, and it's mutually exclusive. The God in Rome could agree. Rome could agree with Saul Paul saying, "Okay." well, I'll worship the God and King of Israel and I'll worship the Roman gods. Rome would be like, all right, that's not a problem. We're good. But of course, Saul, Paul was not worshiping the true God and King of Israel because the true God and King of Israel has the first commandment and does not permit the worship of the Roman gods. So it's, it's impossible for Paul to have been in good standing with the God and King of Israel as a Roman citizenship. Many, many Christians died and were martyred by Rome because they refused to worship the Roman gods. They refused Roman citizenship, which required the worship of of the Roman gods. So it's a mockery of the true church, and it's a mockery of worship of the Lord for Paul to say he held Roman citizenship. And, but these Greco-Roman philosophers were rewriting history and they were generating their own false religion. So in their false religion and in their false history, they generated this lie that Saul Paul worshiped both the God and King of Israel and was a Roman citizen. That's, that was not possible. So you see, it's just a propaganda lie that softens people up. For believing all the other lies that Saul Paul tells as he begins to promote Rome. Saul Paul begins to promote Rome in Romans 13. And he states that all must subject to Caesar. And he states that go ahead and pay tribute to Caesar. And I've reviewed briefly that that's a clear tell that you're dealing with ancient Roman state religious propaganda. Because, again, the God and King of Israel has the first commandment. You cannot worship other gods. You could not pay tribute to Caesar as God. You could not pay that tribute tax. And I have read that in the time of the Roman occupation of Israel, Israel held to the first commandment and refused to to pay that tribute tax because the tribute tax would have been worship of the foreign gods of Rome worship of Caesar and worship of the Roman gods is what that means by extension to pay that tribute tax. So at the time of the Roman occupation, what I have read in history is that Israel refused to pay that tax because of the first commandment. So All of these lies about, oh yeah, just render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, no problem paying the tribute tax. These are all lies. It's all ancient Roman rewriting of history through giving us false books that lace all of this false doctrine in there to pull people into worship of the Roman gods and to pull people into accepting the false Christ that is presented not only in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but also in Acts and all of Saul, Paul's letters. So, and I will go into the other letters that are in the modern Bible that are not directly attributed to Saul, Paul, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For one example, you have the book of Jude, and the book of Jude is completely made up and nonsensical and has no place in the Bible whatsoever. It has no merit, it has no purpose, and it states inaccuracies, which which at some point I'll make an effort to review Jude in greater detail. I'm just doing an overview. You have first and third John, both of those, I'll show you the doctrine is false. and it takes a little bit of a deep dive. so you'll be able to see the Roman tell. You'll be able to see that that is not delivered from God. First um, and second Peter, they're pretty much, I mean, if you look it up, they're pretty much well known to be forgeries, but they are written by the same Greco-Roman philosophers. They affirm all of Saul Paul's false teaching, which we'll get into that in some detail. And they also affirm Saul Paul, one of those does, as, oh, he's our beloved brother. And they say, oh, yes, he writes scripture. Well, what you have is the Greco-Roman philosophers delivering three false gospels, a false historiography in Acts, And Saul Paul is their false foundational apostle who is in 13 books teaching the ancient Roman replacement religion, teaching Roman law. That's where he's teaching male headship and his male headship doctrine and all of these things, they come straight from Genesis 2 and 3, foundationally Genesis 2. So he rejects the truth that male and female are created equally in the image of God. And he comes up with a a new line and a new story that the man is the image and glory of God and the woman is the glory of man. So he rewrites, he rejects Genesis 1, he rewrites it, and he comes into full alignment with Genesis 2 and he teaches that a woman is just a body that a man owns as his body. So he fully denies all truth that woman was created in the image of God in his systematic theology because he's teaching the deification of men. So he's, the Roman male headship laws were called paterfamilias laws of ancient Rome, and they were a way to worship the Roman gods by worshiping the men as God and reducing women into a slavery position as bodies men owned. So it's it's an ancient religion of this type. And I'll get into more of this. We'll get into more of it. But I've just given you um, an overview of why the Bible is corrupt and for us to have the full stature move, we must return to the power of the true early church. So we need to go back to the truth of what is the true Hebrew Bible. Genesis 1, the Gospel of John, Second John, and Revelation. Now the books that are in the Old Testament, other than the foundational creation story We are in the New Covenant now. I'm not going to get all into that in this podcast. I am more concerned with the false Babylonian church that has infiltrated the Bible and has built Babylon through false scripture. Now, you can go to my website at theladyvictory.com. It's very important to put the the in front because there's a different website out there that does not include that. My website is theladyvictory.com. I am very open in stating that I had this powerful apostolic salvation and I am here to minister the full stature move. And to minister the full stature move, we have to go back to the true gospel and I'm going to be showing how miracle-working power is released in the kingdom. I'm kind of saying we have to take out the Constantine trash. You cannot flood um, yourself with Antichrist teaching and conform to ancient Rome of Constantine and awaken the true apostolic miracle-working power. And I am literally ministering the full stature move, um, and the full stature move culminates in transfiguration. So I'm not at all shy about stating, um, my personal commission, um, that this is the full stature move. It is the transfiguration of the church. It is the prophesied arising of the church of Philadelphia. It is the fulfillment of revelation 12. And these are the realities And so my ministry is going to move forward in cleaning up the biblical canon so that people can see the kingdom and enter the kingdom. That is how we restore apostolic miracle working power. And that is how we are going to experience the full stature move to go through the open door of transfiguration And my personal born again experience is powerful enough that I'm endued to do that. So I'm beginning my ministry this year and I just saw everything that happened last year and the Lord called me to do my ministry. It's time. Um, It's time for America to be brought under the dominion of the Lord and this rebellious defiance of Washington, D.C. to be ended. So my books are available at Barnes & Nobles. You can go to my website. Um, You'll see links how to purchase my books. I'll put links below on that too. And you can give at my website. I'm going to be doing podcasts possibly an hour a day, five days a week. God bless you.